Welcome everyone to another episode of the Nerd Continuity where we talk about design, development and other cool stuff that we find on the internet. I'm your host Alex and with me as usual the sexy beast of Michael that is up here. <laughs> hey, you're sexy, shut up. So um, today is gonna be a slightly different episode because we have a guest, another guest, a way more smart and interesting person than the both of us. She's Ceci Correa. Hello, Ceci. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. It's great to be here. Oh, thank you for your time. Of course. Okay, let's jump right into it. Let's not like waste time in talking about nonsense. And let's give the word straight to Ceci and let's ask her to please, for who doesn't know you, to present yourself in just a couple of minutes or if you want like, even more. Just Present yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And how's your life going? Sure thing. Uh, well, I, first of all, my name is Ceci Korea. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ceci Korea. That's spelled C-E-C-Y-C-O-R-R-E-A. Uh, if you want to hear more about things like development, design, or karaoke, or my dogs. I <laughs> usually Instagram a lot of pictures of my dogs, but who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, there are babies, you know. Yep. So <laughs> some, people, some, some people have a lot of human babies, and then we have our animal babies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're a boat developer and designer so you're a full stack developer you're also a designer so you are both worse basically when that happened like usually when a person starts it's like or decided to like study development or start designing and then learn a little bit of the other side how that happened to you how did you approach coding and if you started before with design, it was hard, it was easy, it was natural for you, or mm -hmm. it was like a long, convoluted process? <laughs> it's actually a, an interesting sort of like circuitous... How do you pronounce that word, circuitous? I have no idea. Don't ask me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm the uh, worst. <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a weird story. Uh, I actually mm -hmm. went to school for film. I was interested Ooh. in just traditional media production. So whether that was TV or film or even radio. So my degree is um, literally radio, TV, film. Um, so a lot of people say like, you know, when they have a Bachelor of Science degree, they say that it's a BS degree. Well, my BS degree is in radio, TV, film. So wow. that's a lot of BS. <laughs> uh, so... But the reason that I got into web development was because as a media producer, mm -hmm. um, I really, I wanted to just make media, whether that was short films or little animations. Um, I just wanted to create things. And it was, you know, I don't know, early days of the internet-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess in the early 2000s. Um, and I wanted to make, I wanted my short films to have a place to live on the internet. And this is this is before YouTube. I was literally uploading QuickTimes to my website. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well, uh, so, yeah. It was yeah, a great so I, time, right? It was, it like, was so it easy. Was <laughs> Figuring out how to stream QuickTime video and things yeah. like that. Um, mm -hmm. And then as a result, I also ended up learning Flash, which, you know, now it's kind of dead. But yeah. it was um, it was kind of like an, an entry into mm -hmm. creating interactions for the web. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how it came about. And then in, in terms of like, you know, making the 
the trip to actually becoming full stack, um, I really was honestly kind of afraid of the back end for a long time. Mm. Um, I remember someone told me about, you know, over 10 years ago, maybe when Ruby on Rails was like really starting to take off and just kind of like blowing everybody's minds, somebody said, you should learn Ruby on Rails. It's really great. And I was like, oh, back end, I don't know. I make <laughs> yeah. things pretty. Um, and then finally, you know, it took me that long to um, actually want to get into learning it uh, more and more. Um, mm -hmm. So I just finished a coding boot camp. And it's not because you can't learn on your own. It's just because for me, yeah. I needed a framework where mm -hmm. I could be disciplined enough to go and do it every day mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, trying to learn something on my own after work because that, yeah. that can be really tough. Because that's, I, what, that's what I'm yeah. doing right now. And it's, <laughs> it, it can be overwhelming, especially, and I, I think anybody who begins to approach the back end, mm -hmm. it's, it, it can be really intimidating. Um, yeah. I mean, thank God yeah. we have like free code camp and lynda.com and, yeah. and some others where we actually have visual aids mm -hmm. to help us um, <clears throat> sometimes and actually show us how to do things and let us kind of do it on our own. But, but yeah, no, I think boot camps are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> some things that some free resources that I found helpful um, for Rails specifically because that's what I ended up going with um, just because I always, I always loved Ruby. I thought it was uh, – a very readable language, so I decided yeah. to stick with that and learn that. And some some of the resources, like people do not give Code School enough credit because their videos are actually very thorough. Mm -hmm. Oh um, yes, yeah, their examples are very like easy to follow, and their live coding sort of little like challenges are also like really good. Um, so I actually like after I finished my coding boot camp, I went back to do code school just to kind of even though I mostly knew the material, I still yeah. learned a couple of other things that I didn't know about that you just don't have enough time to cover in a boot camp. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And the good thing about like online classes or videos that you can watch it over and over again to polish what you learned during the boot camp because of course, as you yeah. said, like you don't have maybe enough time to like dig mm -hmm. into an argument enough. Yeah. But, oh, that's great. So just as a out of curiosity, what was the first application that you ever developed? Like if you released it or it's still like in your drawer hidden? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends what, what you would consider an application. Like the first website ever that I mm -hmm. ever made was a blog before there was a word for a blog and I did it in GeoCities when I was in high school. Sweet. And I, Ooh, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, and like really like back then there was no concept of a blog really. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Uh, but right. I had that idea of like oh I want to update this regularly and yeah and it had like I remember very clearly that I had really cool alligators um that were like gifts that would like go chomp. Sweet. I I was <laughs> that was um, perfect. But then like more, more, I guess, formally, like the first things that I ever did was like, you know, create a website for like my fake sort of like film mm -hmm. studio where I would post like my short films and stuff. Were you super sad when they shut down GeoCities? Yeah, but there's NeoCities now. What? <laughs> Yeah. So, 
I'm pretty sure there's also a BitTorrent somewhere out there where like someone archived all of the old GeoCities websites. I don't know if my site is on there, uh, oh, but I know God. that that is something that is available. And then apparently there's now like a, a thing called NeoCities that is supposed to be like the new GeoCities. I haven't tried it yet, um, but I think it's it's interesting that it's kind of like trying to make a comeback. And um, one thing, this may be getting a little bit off track, but like I just found out that there's like for a lot of young people just getting into the web, they actually do seek that old like early web days look. Like there's mm-hmm. a there's a online store called shopgene.com that's apparently like really popular with the kids these days, and mm-hmm. some of the clothing is inappropriate, so don't go there doing work. <laughs> Um, but what what struck me, I read this on a New York Times article about like young female entrepreneurs, is that the whole aesthetic of that site is meant to look like early days of the web. So they actually use a lot of bevel and emboss. They okay. have gifts everywhere. Uh. Like, it, it is actually kind of like kind of terrible <laughs> design. But that's what the kids are just learning. That's what they. That's the aesthetic that they really like because it's retro so i think that's really interesting it's so sad that it's retro now yeah we were there. Like, i was 14 yeah. i was you know i think i was at an angel fire site for my rpg group which i just yes. outed myself as being a complete utter nerd as a teenager um but yeah i mean we that was that was all new to us and now it's all retro it's so sad, mm-hmm. it's like, so I'm, sad. I'm not old i promise <laughs> We're just Eepsters. That's yeah. that's the point. Yeah. Like we want retro stuff. Well, and it's interesting. I just looked up Neo Cities, and Neo Cities actually looks pretty nice. Um, looks like a really good place for people to start out if they've mm. never done anything with websites before. Mm-hmm. That looks interesting. Um, the websites themselves don't look good, mm-hmm. but um, the user interface for the <laughs> for the homepage is nice. If you really think about like Tumblr, mm-hmm. is like really the this generation's. GeoCities. Yeah. The good thing about GeoCities, like you had the ability to upload your own code, like with Tumblr, yeah, you you can Mm -hmm. style a template or you can uh, put a custom template on it. But I think what's missing right now, it's a completely free um, place on the internet where you can create your own space and do whatever you want with with the space. For one, like I I remember GeoCities for a really limited amount of time had also a free database connection you could you were able to connect to a mysql database and do mm-hmm. uh, whatever you like like put php on it and create this super crappy and super slow applications on top so <laughs> now everything is wow. with a subscription like you want to mm-hmm. try something you want to develop something on a web server is at least six bucks a month at least and it's yeah, like the cheapest well, one heroku does offer a free price mm-hmm. It's not price, I guess, if it's free, but they do have a free tier, and that's what I've been using for some of my like custom applications where like I'm trying to teach myself something and I want to deploy it and put it up online. I've been using the free Heroku mm-hmm. tier, which is very, I mean, honestly, it is kind of slow. Um, if it's something that I end up liking that I feel like I'm going to use it as a portfolio piece, I do end up paying the $6 a month so yeah. that um, at least they don't turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that with the, with the free tier, they have to turn it off for at least, you know, if it's not being used, they turn it off. So for the next question, what you already ta- told us that you really like Ruby on Rails. Is that your favorite coding language or you have like something 
something else, like some other coding languages, maybe that you just started, but you feel like, oh, this is really good. This is my favorite. Like, I love it. Super excited. Yeah, I mean, I would say I definitely like Ruby. Um, and I'm trying to like, get back into JavaScript because, you know, that is the language of the web. <laughs> yeah. uh, but one thing that I really like about Ruby, now that, like, now that I'm, like, you know, trying to go back to going back to JavaScript after learning Ruby and just to backtrack there a little bit, I learned JavaScript first, then I went to Ruby and then now I'm trying after learning Ruby and then getting back into JavaScript, I, I look at it and I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh yeah. because Ruby does a lot of things that I feel like are, are really nice. Like for example, you don't have to declare, you know, that a variable is a variable. You don't have to say var, yeah. name equals whatever you just state it you just say name equals whatever um mm -hmm. and i i just feel like that little things like that make for much more readable code uh mm -hmm. i also just I, I was looking at like the differences between like how you structure an if statement in javascript versus how you would structure an if statement in ruby they still do if whatever else yeah. whatever like they both still do the same but i feel like and I may be biased, but I feel like it's more readable in Ruby. Like, for example, I was doing um, a little, like, code kata yesterday, and I, the if statement in JavaScript uh, ended up being, like, um, if this condition is n not true, like, I don't know, it just, it, it didn't seem as readable as how I would Oh, yeah, totally. It. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. Like, JavaScript is kind of a little bit more convoluted, especially because it's a really, really old mm. language. And mm. yeah. you can code with the same code that you used 15 years ago for JavaScript, yes. and it's going to work. But that means that JavaScript has this huge library of really old code snippets that you can still use, mm. and no one updates it. And it's it's yeah, it's convoluted. It's not really clear. The syntax is all over the place of JavaScript because it's a it's an old language, and mm -hmm. has to be like compatible with everything. I hate JavaScript. So. I hate it so much. I think it's interesting that it took like two weeks. It was like a project. I don't where I don't remember who, if it was at like, it was one of the big tech companies, and essentially someone was like, "Hey, we need a, we need this language. Mm -hmm. Here, mm -hmm. you have two weeks to do it," and that that was JavaScript. <laughs> um, yeah, no. so, so um, that's I'm oversimplifying perfect. it, but right. Yeah, yeah, no, and no. I think I think it's interesting that everything is in JavaScript now. Like for example, a lot of people, a lot of my friends who are JavaScript developers, you know, inevitably they get a project where they need to do CSS and they always complain and hate it and kind of just like, "Oh, I hate CSS." So <laughs> now, you know, you can write, you know, JavaScript that outputs CSS. Oh, sure. You I can manipulate write... CSS. In yeah, JavaScript. so like yeah. you can write JavaScript to output anything, so that all you ever have to write is JavaScript. And then you have a browser that sometimes blocks JavaScript without telling you, and you're fine. Like your entire website is broken. Yay. Yeah, I think it's interesting. There's um, there's a Tumblr, of course, because there's a Tumblr for everything. I think it's called like Oh No JavaScript or something or Side JavaScript, something like that. And it's like, it's what some major websites look like with no JavaScript enabled. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
think it's um, scijavascript.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. They haven't updated it in a while, but I think it's really interesting if you look at it like yeah. Spotify. <laughs> There's nothing on it <laughs> with no JavaScript oh. enabled. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing is that because the, the web, especially like HTML, is really, is really old. It's a really old concept and old structure, and we're still struggling to implement HTML5. But HTML without JavaScript, you cannot do anything asynchronously. So you have to you have mm-hmm. to go back in the early stages of the web where you have to refresh to do whatever you need to do without JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And also all these frameworks like AngularJS, Dart, Polymer are all massive libraries built on top of the logic of JavaScript. So if we still rely on really, really, really old libraries of JavaScript, like uh, progression and evolution is kind of like slow. It's uh, no, I, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the one of the libraries that I feel is really promising right now, even though it's like really hot right now too, and I hate to buy into the hype cycle, uh, mm-hmm. but React, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still obviously trying to learn it and be a little bit better at it, but I think that you know something like React could potentially um, just render jQuery mm-hmm. like just not needed anymore. Yeah, totally. Especially like I was reading an article the other day that because of this huge update of Angular from the version 1.3 to the version 2, where they basically rewrote the entire syntax. So the syntax that you were used to use in 1.3 is not valid anymore. So you basically have to relearn a new framework from scratch, even if it's still Angular. A lot of users decided to like drop Angular and go straight to React.js because React is more consistent and you can achieve the exact same thing that you achieved with Angular, but without having the problem of a proprietary code that can be completely deleted or rewrote from scratch and suddenly your application doesn't work anymore. So Yeah, I think you know, that's actually a topic that we talked a lot about um, in school in, in relation to frameworks and just in relation of being a developer. If you end mm-hmm. up you know, writing a library, like your responsibility to your users. Oh. Um, and, you know... One of the things we talked about was, you know, versioning, right? And the the type, the right way of trying to do versioning, where it's like, you know, minor minor patch or you know, yeah. minor feature or like, no, now you gotta completely like redo your stuff because it's gonna break. You know, exactly. trying to trying to do that responsibly, mm-hmm. uh, and then also trying to do that in a way where like you're communicating with the. Um, with your community um, and one of the things I'm not too familiar with the topic but one of the things that um, was discussed was backbone and how the main oh, maintainer yeah. was like yeah I don't I didn't feel like telling people that this new release was gonna had breaking changes yeah <laughs> um, and a ton of enterprise level applications actually rely on backbone so it's like mm-hmm. I feel like as a developer you kind of owe it to your users to, I don't know, keep them updated on that. But I really, I, I really believe that there is an obligation. If you are developing something, you do, you are, and it becomes popular, and then it becomes so popular that companies are relying on it, 
I think it's more than I, I think it's more than obligated. I don't want to say it should be legal. You know, you should legally <laughs> have to tell them, but I feel like yeah. you know, if you're creating something that so many people use, um, you need to let them know something's changed. You know, um, it's like <clears throat> I don't know because you're just you're kind of um, I feel like you're kind of gaming the public. You know, you're kind oh, of yeah. playing them if you're mm-hmm. doing that because they're gonna. <laughs> You, the thing you, you don't want to anger web developers because they're not going to use your stuff anymore. <laughs> they're going to find other ways, and eventually someone's going to write something to, you know, that will make your code oh, totally. and your platform and development yeah. syntax completely obsolete. Especially, so, like I think this is really true. Especially if your project is open source, like Backbone JS mm-hmm. or these other frameworks. If you're open source, it means that you're gaining, like you earning something thanks to the community and thanks to how many people are using your product. So if you destroy basically your product and you just push away your users, what's what's left? Like you're you're basically like killing your own product. And see what what happened with it's a like really more streamlined example of what happened with Bootstrap when we passed from version 2.7 to version 3. It was completely different. They didn't activate a migration system uh, until like six months after the release of version 3. And basically 50% of the web was stuck with Bootstrap 2.7 because no developers wanted to upgrade. It was like, no, it's too complicated. I'm going to leave it like that. So mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's easier to stay with an older version of something than to update if there is no clear path to update. Yeah, and exactly. that's... That's really sad. That's yeah. really, really sad. So let's talk about something more happy and like funny things. <laughs> let's about talk about puppies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or let's talk about a really interesting argument called Girl Develop It that you know really well. Oh, sure. Um, so I am one of the co-chapter leaders of Girl Develop It for the Austin chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Girl Develop It is a national nonprofit organization um, that was founded many years ago by um, a couple of really brilliant ladies who mm-hmm. just kind of wanted to bring more women into the fold of tech. They felt that we needed more women in tech, so they decided to start Girl Develop It as a way to provide affordable and friendly intro-level tech classes for women to have a space where they could go and learn about technology in a way that was not intimidating and in a way that was really nurturing. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of how that started. I've, I've been involved locally here in Austin with Girl Develop It for about two years. Um, I typically teach things that are more on the front end. I teach intro to HTML. Uh, I teach intro to responsive web design. And sometimes I teach intro to WordPress. Um, but I would say that intro to HTML and CSS is probably my favorite class to teach because mm-hmm. it is often the first time that someone is actually coding. Um, and I feel like that can be a really good experience. So you can, can manipulate be... their minds. <laughs> no. yeah. I feel like, I yeah. feel like if, you make that, if you make that a good experience, they'll want to learn more. If you make that a bad experience, you know, you might affect totally. how, how and if, you know, they decide to continue learning. Absolutely. Um, and one thing that I find really interesting having 
worked with Girl Development for a couple of years now um, is that most people, like, there are a lot of different reactions to this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we have sometimes um, men that join our meetup group mm-hmm. and they say, can I attend? Why can't I attend? They just assume they can't because of the name. But actually, yeah. as an organization, Girl Develop It is inclusive. They are open to anybody who wants to learn. Um, we do have a code of conduct, but the code of conduct is there actually just to to support and to protect the students. Um, so really our code of conduct just says, you know, you're not going to harass other students. <sighs> you're not going to, um, you know, make other students feel bad for asking yeah. questions. Like it's there to try to nurture a positive environment. Yeah. Um, so really as long as people want to be there with a desi- desire to learn and they don't, you know, harass other students and they don't make other students feel bad. Um, like, you know, our classes are open to anybody. That's amazing. Uh, and in fact, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of male teachers and male TAs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we try to be a, a diverse organization. Um, but, you know, it, I think it's interesting that a lot of the reaction sometimes, you know, is main, men just assume that they can't attend. And certainly there are some other groups where they, they try to be, um, female exclusive. Okay. Um, and I feel like there are, that's not us, but there are other groups that are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a place for everything. Uh, oh, I feel sure. like, you know, there, there are groups where they might want it to be female exclusive because they are trying, um, to have a more secure environment. Um, whereas, you know, there are other places where they want to, be inclusive because they feel like, for example, you know, if you create a, an organization where you're excluding other people, then you're essentially kind of like perpetuating the yes. problem. So, I, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of different ways of looking at it. Um, but for us specifically, we try to be inclusive of a lot of different people. Um, That's great. But I think that people, people just kind of like assume that we're we mm-hmm. have like some sort of axe to grind or something and really we're here just to teach people how to code. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, uh, so you say it's like a war thing. It's just um, there's also something in Europe or in other part of the world, like in India or other like developing kind of countries. Um, so I think that right now Girl Develop It is in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, maybe Canada. Yeah, um, Canada. Um, I think maybe it's just the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you're dealing with a nonprofit and then you get into sort of like international um, yeah. sort of, you know, going to teach in other countries, I think that that would probably require um, the nonprofit to deal with greater sort of like organizational yes. challenges yes. so i don't i don't think that right now we are set up to do that that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it can't happen in the future but like i don't that's more of like a national headquarters sort of discussion yeah. that i don't feel like i can probably speak to mm-hmm. uh, but I, I i mean i think that there are other organizations that are aimed at empowering women in mm-hmm. developing countries oh, that's great 
And because we are in the argument, I am really interested in these kind of questions, even if I know that maybe are can some delicate and someone doesn't want to talk about it. So if you don't feel comfortable to answer, you can totally say, I don't want to answer. It's totally fine. But I, uh, I'm really interested in hearing your opinion about this gender equality issue, because unfortunately it's still an issue. We are still like really young and really stupid, especially in the IT world. <laughs> we don't know what to do with our hands. We have no idea what to do with our brains. And uh, what's the current status? So I don't think that it's a, a problem that is unique to IT or tech. I think that it is a thing that we experience as a society. Yes. Um, so there was an article that I wanted to share about this girl. Mm-hmm. In New York City, she was talking about how there's a guy there that kind of hacked Lyft to use it as a dating app. So he'll he'll call what's called the Lyft line, which is kind of like a shared ride mm-hmm. uh, where that you share with multiple people. So it's not just you; um, it's you know you and some strangers. So he would call one of those and see you know if there was a girl uh, that was cute on that same car, then he would like go and try to get her number. So he was essentially using this you know this app that was not meant for dating, he was using it um, for dating. Um, And this girl, her experience was, you know, she was in this, in the shared lift Mm -hmm. and she was trying to be as polite as possible and turn the guy down um, and left. You know, I think the guy asked for her number and she just, you know, didn't give it to him and she left. And then, Days later or weeks or months later, she gets in a lift and it's the same guy that gave her a ride. And it turns out he remembered her from that one ride. And then he said, you know, he, he explained to her how the guy was, you know, using Lyft as a dating app and how, you know, he thought, surely I thought he was going to get your number. And she was like, well, I guess that like I didn't make my my disinterest clear enough. Yeah, I got it. And what I think is interesting about that is that I feel like it speaks to differences between men and women mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I think that, you know, women sometimes think that they're being clear and, you know, maybe maybe not so much. Maybe men just don't, you know, are just not listening in the same way. Like they're yeah. somehow, you know, we're saying, we're saying things and we think that we are being understood and we're not. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I'm not saying like, I I mean, I don't want to get into the whole idea of like, you know, who's, I don't know, who's right, who's wrong, et cetera. Um, Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) I mean, I think that that behavior from the guy's part is creepy. It's really, really Uh, creepy. It's predatory. It's it's wrong. It's actually properly classified as predatory behavior. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Psychologically. And I feel like that's the type of stuff that as a woman you have to deal with every day. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you develop a thick skin for it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't. Um, and in my experience and in the experience of a lot of my friends who are developers, sometimes you go to a tech meetup because you want to further your knowledge and yeah. you're having a conversation with a dude who's also a developer. And, you know, it, it's happened to some of my girlfriends that the guy says, oh, I really want to talk to you about code. Give me your number. And she's like, sure, let's go have coffee and I'll talk to you about my code. And then, you know, the guy later on, like, you know, sends a text saying like, hey, are you out tonight? You want to go grab a drink? And she's like, uh, 
I have a boyfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never said I was interested in you in, you in that way. Yeah. I just want to talk about um, this happens all too often. Uh, one of my other uh, friends who is in tech, she's like an executive level person working at a startup. She's incredibly smart. Um, she just said something the other day about how like someone was like, oh, wow, you're really smart. Are you an actress? <laughs> what? Is that a real because question? You- <laughs> is that serious? Wow. Because if you're a woman and you know about technology and you're talking about it intelligently, you're you must be an actress. What um, the hell? So no, come on, <laughs> Jesus Christ! And uh, yeah. you know, wow. I there's a lot of stories about that, and I think yeah. that I think most men that I know in my life in my career are not like that. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a few people that still. Yeah. Don't quite know what's acceptable in mm-hmm. a work related oh, right. situation. Totally. Yeah. And so do you feel like as a personal experience, like do you see around you the IT world changing, like thanks to these startups or like tech subs and accelerators? There's are there are a lot of startups with female lead, like in the executive or like CEOs. Do you feel like this scenario is kinda changing or we inevitably go back to our horrible, horrible human behavior or of judging and give it for granted because of the gender. You know, I think that some of these accelerators that may be, you know, just focused on female entrepreneurs are probably mm-hmm. helping for sure. Uh, but I think that it's it's things aren't going to change for the better until us as a society learn how to speak about sort of like gender identity in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, as long as boys from an early age are taught that, you know, they can only play with these certain toys and women or girls can only play with these certain toys. And this is what it means to be a girl. And this is what it means to be a boy. And they're very different things. And we, continue to sort of like pigeonhole what boy behavior and girl behavior is like until we stop doing that and just think of people as people and not as a gender I feel like we might continue to have these issues I also think that a lot of it comes down to communication some men Mm -hmm. and women realize that men and women have different ways of communicating and they understand this and they adjust accordingly Mm -hmm. and I think that other other people, you know, be it men or women, don't realize that people of different genders communicate differently and you need to sort of adjust for that. I think yeah. that that's also part of that problem, which like comes back to this whole idea of like, you know, the girl was trying to state that she wasn't interested. The guy was hearing something completely different. And even the driver, who is also a guy, also just completely thought, I totally thought you were going to give him his number. Like... It, it wasn't just that the guy wasn't getting it. It was the other guy in that same ride that also thought everything was, was fine. So I think that it really comes down to more like understanding the differences and, and how you communicate differently, um, just whether, you know, yeah, you're totally. a man or a woman. You know, and I, I really think, you know, it definitely goes to what you're saying about societal roles because I'm I know a – I've known, not currently communicating with these people, but I've known in the past a few pe- a few guys who grew up 
being taught that any interaction with women meant that eventually uh, you were going to have some sort of romantic interaction with them. Oh yeah. And and these 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 boys were not taught that uh, you can have a healthy normal adult uh, interaction with somebody of the opposite gender that does not involve any kind of romance mm-hmm. or any sort of promise of relationship. Yeah. And we're fi- I think I think society is changing i think we're seeing good things happen but i also think it's very slow oh, and totally. i think there are i mean anything we we're looking on looking at you know in the news of these people believing that you know societal roles or gender roles are are you know only this mm-hmm. uh you know and, and they're willing to enforce it you know mm-hmm. um, to great extents uh you know i think we're seeing a lot of a lot of that and i think the tech community is in my opinion it's it's a little bit better than some other communities, but it still has a lot of work. Uh, there's still a lot of work that needs to happen. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of these these because I I don't know if I can consider the thing is if you can't engage in an adult conversation with someone of any gender, that's not maturity. You know, mm-hmm. maturity is being able to carry on an adult conversation um, with someone regardless of who they are or what gender they are or what their genetic code says. You know, they are. Yeah. Um, regardless of race, gender, orientation, any of that. Um, an adult can do that, but people who still have this kind of juvenile high school mind mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people don't grow out of um, is the command and conquer type of mentality, which is predatory yeah, and it's dangerous. And I totally agree uh, what what you said, Stacey, about like it's something that you see in the IT world, but it's a wider, much wider problem. Like it's just mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. That's how we we used to be, and we're trying to change and we're trying to evolve. But probably it's more like evident in the IT because it's a more public word. Like it's easier to maybe mm-hmm. find these stories and some reports. Like they get public. Uh, so it's probably there's this more hype and it's, it's it's easier. And people who work in tech tend to be, you know, very active on their blogs or exactly. maybe they're very active on Twitter or maybe exactly. they go out and speak. So right. like, yeah, I mean, I think that we are a vocal bunch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's good. Um, that's, that's really probably, good. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. should always One thing be that like I think that. is interesting from like a, because right now I'm looking for a job, so I'm really attuned to like the hiring process. And I think that some... Um, there are some places that try to write job postings in a way that's not gender specific. So they try mm-hmm. not to use mm-hmm. uh, he or guys or folks or, you know, things are yeah. like that. Uh, they try to write it in a more gender neutral way. Yes. And I think that's, that's great. But then also our own processes for hiring people um, can be a little bit more biased towards men. So one example that uh, one of... Um, there was like a women in tech panel that they did at my boot camp, and one of the um, one of the ladies there that was sharing her experience actually hiring. So she was like sitting in interviews and hiring, and listening to both men and women talk about their own skills. Mm-hmm. She noticed that men tended to be a lot more, um, or tend to be tend to look more confident. They tended to be a lot more assertive, or they tended to be a lot more like I don't know, brag a lot more about themselves and their accomplishments whereas women tended to be more a a little bit more shy a little bit like oh sure you know I did that that was great you know like (laughs) but not really like saying yeah I did that and it's awesome so Mm -hmm. 
I think that sometimes we t- we tend to encourage that sort of behavior. We oh, we yeah. tend to you know mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna want to hire the guy that's super confident, yeah. even if you know there's a girl there that maybe she's just as good, but she's not mm-hmm. as good about talking about herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, it also goes back to education. Absolutely. And how if you're if you're a female and you're into STEM, and you know, first of all, people are going to say that you're a nerd. People are going to probably expect you to look a certain way. Um, and if you mess up, I feel like us as women, especially me, and I've seen this in a lot of the students, like if you mess up as a woman in tech, you feel like you must be the dumbest person ever. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you're if you're the only person in a team of all guys and you're the girl and you messed up, you feel like, oh, my gosh, like you, you really internalize it in a way that I don't think most guys do because you feel like, oh, well, now I don't want my peers to think that all girls working in tech are this way. Mm-hmm. So you tend to be really harsh on yourself. You tend to really not want to make a mistake, whereas, you know, most people ma- make mistakes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that, because there are less of us in tech, you yes. really want to you want to be that much better because being just good enough is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And it should be, but I think that we're not wired that way. And some some people will be very understanding and some people will not be. Yeah, totally. Um so something that, you know, one of the things that I try to get across when I teach is that computers are dumb. <laughs> and if you aren't getting if you aren't getting your the computer to do what you want it to do, it's not because you're dumb. It's because computers are dumb, and you just yeah. gotta figure out how to say it in the right way. Exactly. That doesn't make you dumb. It doesn't make you less of a person. Totally. And you can continue to learn. You can get to a point where you're efficient and good at it. But yeah. you have to not beat yourself up over it because I think that a lot of women quit early on when they start hitting those roadblocks yeah, sure. because they're never told that they can continue mm-hmm. to problem solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that I noticed, like, uh, not in my office, but I, I come from Italy and Italy is like really, really behind the respect to the rest of the world in this IT, uh, IT field. And I noticed that if you're a man, if you're male and you fail, they tell you, okay, failing is good because you can learn and you can improve yourself. So, if you fail, it's fine. If you're a woman, if you're a girl, and you fail in the IT, it's because you're dumb. Like, what? It, that doesn't make any sense. Like, mm-hmm. why, if you're a man, it's good to fail, but if you're a woman, it means that all the women in the tech industries are dumb. So, it's... Uh... I feel like, and especially living in the South, um, there is the, I mean, there's still the very strong archetype of, uh, archetype, archetype, I'm sorry, <laughs> the archetype of the woman who stays at home and cooks because that's yeah. all she's good for. And that is the prevailing attitude for many of the men down there. And it is very difficult yeah. uh, for, for women to make it um, and, and to really push ahead. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they have to be very brash and bold. At, and the thing is, you know, if a woman comes across as being as brash and as bold as a man, she's considered to be, you know, several words I will not repeat. And that's unfair because in many of these industries, you need to be very forward in mm-hmm. some ways. And there's nothing wrong with that, regardless of your gender orientation or what anything. Um, you're a human, that's, that's what needs to happen. And... You know, if someone doesn't have the personality for it or if they, you know, I just feel like 
especially in the South, it, it's just it's almost as if women are told from the get go, "You're not going to do this. You're going to fail. So don't try." And it's really horrible that I mean, instead of empowering instead of empowering both genders to say, "You both can do this," they're they're categorizing them and, and basically trying to to tell women you can't start in the beginning. It's like, well, you're a girl. You're, you know, saying to girls. I remember growing up and hearing this, you know, some girls who were interested in science and technology. Uh, you know, every once in a while, some some old man would come across uh, and find out that this information and be like, well, you're a girl. You just need to be a homemaker. That's all you're good for. And yeah. it's, it's absolutely devastating to these brilliant women. And yeah. some of these women uh, grew up to be. One of my friends grew up to be. Uh, she's a neuroscientist now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going for a doctorate in neuroscience, and so. Um, she's absolutely brilliant. One of the most intelligent women I've—I mean, women or um, among women or men, she's one of the most intelligent people I've ever known. And um, and but she ignored it, and she she just kind of she had so much she had to fight. Yeah. And I felt like that was completely unfair, you know, because in, in, in thinking about this, I um I I don't know if it's appropriate to talk about it, but I found myself really thinking a lot about like Black Widow. And the Avengers, oh, gosh, and how totally. a lot of people just really, a lot of people really criticize the character for not being feminist enough. Oh sure. Yeah. And what does that even mean? Yeah. Like a lot of people were mad at Joss Whedon for making you know Black Widow like you know fall in love with the Hulk and yeah. want to have a family and like oh that's not feminist enough and like w- these are things that you know most everybody in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether they're male or female, want to find a partner and mm-hmm. you know have some kind of family. So mm-hmm. why why sure. when Black Widow wants to do it, all of a sudden it's not it's not right of her. And even though she's a superhero, I feel like she's a superhero. She can do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also I I heard a lot of internet hate about the fact that they made her that they revealed that she was um, made sterile by her assassin process. And mm-hmm. and people were saying, well, you know how you know how dare you say that she call herself a monster and this kind of thing, and I never took it as that. I mean, I grew up in a pretty progressive, you know, I, I consider myself fairly progressive, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I took it as a part of the theme because Hulk was saying the same thing, you know, just yeah. not that he was impotent, but that he could not have a family, and they were mutually expressing the fact that both in their own way they could not live a normal life. I may have missed yeah. that, but I felt like the entire point of the movie was extinction. And oh, yeah. that was part of a, a subtext. I mean, I may be wrong. I mean, please tell me if I'm wrong, Ceci, if I've no, almost read I, that. But yeah. I really, I also really, you know, read it that way that like they were both saying, like, oh no, you can't, I love you, but you can't be with me because you're not going to have this thing that most mm-hmm. people want. And they were both relating, mm-hmm. like you were saying, with that fact that they, they actually both can't. You know, mm-hmm. be a typical mm-hmm. you know family or whatever they they you know they couldn't be in a typical sort of like romance, I guess, and they're both recognizing it and maybe even bonding over it yeah. uh but i I never took it as like you know, and I think I actually never thought about the fact that like um uh, that he was also saying like I can't ever give you a family, you mm-hmm. know he he was also kind of saying, like, I'm a monster. Mm. I'm a monster! Yeah. yeah. When I, think, um, I think the reason I, I she never, said she yeah. was a monster is because he becomes a giant green monster, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I always felt that as a reactionary thing to him saying, 
you know, I could Hulk out and just and kill all the, all of our kids. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> I felt that within context, it made sense. I I didn't think Black Widow was going around saying, "Hey, everyone, I'm sterile. I can't have children." <laughs> And, and I'm sorry. I'm yeah. I just want to. I want to be a Betty homemaker, and and I just want to bake cakes all day. You know that I yeah. I never got that. She's a professional, yeah, and exactly. she just she just revealed to one person on an equal level because I I I felt like she was on an equal level with him. Yeah, that they were oh, both totally. humans with the dark spirit, and they were regardless of gender revealing mm-hmm. to each other only to each other because she never tells anyone else mm-hmm. ever. Captain yeah. America doesn't know. I'm sure I don't know if Nick Fury knows. No one else, you know. That's a that was something very personal to her, and um and she doesn't go around saying it. And but the I also hate the fact that we that people think that just because Black Widow does something that she's representative of all females. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, yeah. still the that's still a, that's still a sexist subtext mm-hmm. to say that to even for these people online saying, well, you're saying all women can't do this. Well, no, actually, you're you're being sexist because you're you're making Black Widow. The, um, the representative, the re- yeah, exactly. I'm like they're they're betraying the their herald, own sexist yeah. ideas. It, it's almost like, um, you know, there there was someone who was saying, what was it? There was someone online who was complaining about how um, they felt like they were always being, um, they were always eye candy only only for men. And another person came in who I don't I may have been trans and said that's a very heteronormative thing to say. Uh, that because you don't believe that lesbians exist, apparently. Yeah. And and that and it just kind of caught them off guard because they didn't realize mm-hmm. how uh, how heteronormative they were being mm-hmm. in that conversation, or how sexist they were being. That only men would find them attractive mm-hmm. and no one else. And uh, and I I'm not going to comment mm-hmm. on that, but I thought that was interesting no. that that our ideas of of yeah. of these you know making Black Widow the representative instead of just allowing her to be her own character. Oh yeah, exactly. Is, a and to bring it back to tech, I feel like just when you're saying like you know if you're female and you're part of a team, just like in the Avengers, yeah. <laughs> when you're yeah. you're, you're part yeah. of a dev team and you're the only female, then you you need to be you know Black Widow level good. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I don't know. That's 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 kind of why that was in my mind. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. yeah, no, no, you totally agree. Become the sole representative of female exactly. developers. Right. right. Exactly. So, um, to remain like just a little bit more in this argument because I I notice we're kind of passionate about it. <laughs> it's like really interesting. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Ceci, about the the recent that is not really recent actually, like a year or two ago maybe? All this hype about diversity and like gender diversity and like race, religion, diversity in the huge tech industries. Like we saw the latest the the last like last year i think or in april the apple event event sorry (laughs) the apple event Mm -hmm. where uh for the first time in 20 years it wasn't a panel of all white male dudes on their 50 presenting a product but there was a girl finally there was a woman doing the presentation and also on the google io event there was also Mm -hmm. a couple of women and also the latest news about Marisa Meyer that she just uh, gave birth of uh, twins and she decided after two months, okay, I'm, I'm going back to work. I'm going back to the, the, the role of the CEO of Yahoo. I don't want to stay at home. And everyone was kind of like, ah, oh, what, what, what's, what's in her mind? What's happening? Like, what do you think about all this hype and all this thing that's happening in 
tech giants. I think it's interesting when a company is like, look at how diverse we are. Exactly. And it's like, okay, well, are you really being diverse or are you just it's like hiring? Do you have these policies so you can say you're diverse? Exactly. Or do you They're have just pretending. these policies because you believe? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's interesting. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe saying that they are diverse will encourage other companies to also, you know, try to create diverse teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I feel like, I don't know, like how much of that is, you know, paying lip service to your own company and yeah. who knows? I, I always feel um, like it's that person that we know, not necessarily a friend, but the person we know, the white person who constantly reminds us how many friends they have of other of like non-white <laughs> yeah races oh, yeah. you know like, uh-huh. because i mean obviously you know that they're looking at race first and not the people and yeah because yes. no one i mean no one in their right mind is gonna sit there and tell you i have x number of the friends from this race because we mm-hmm. just don't think of it like that that's they're a person first yeah. exactly and, yes. you know it's like every you know back in the back in the 90s you know people saying that they had that quote one gay friend and, you know, instead oh, of realizing yes. that just sexuality is just a part of someone. And no. a lot of times you just don't, and you just don't ask those questions anymore. So it doesn't even matter what their orientation is, you know, especially in mm-hmm. business. Um, you know, but it's like that one person who's always like trying too hard to yeah. be like, like, guys, look how good I am. Look how good of a human yeah. I am. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I honestly had this conversation um, at my last job when I looked around we were a small company but I looked around and I noticed that like all of the females in this company and myself included at that time because at that time I was doing business development I wasn't doing actual production Mm -hmm. development work Um, so I was essentially doing you know like marketing client relations things like that Um, so not actually doing programming Um, so Mm -hmm. I looked around my you know the company that I worked for and I realized that all of the women were in traditionally female roles um, I was doing marketing biz dev uh, we had a female project manager we had a female in operations we had a female designer we had a female um, another person doing operations so all of the all mm-hmm. of the women in the company were in traditionally female roles and were not engineers or doing development um, programming so I talked to um, the director of technology at the time, and I was like, huh, I just realized that, you know, everybody, most everybody in our team right now, they're all dudes, and they're all white dudes. And, I mean, he was like, I felt like his response was fair. You know, he was saying, like, he hadn't noticed that. He was like, oh, I, I haven't noticed that. And he's like, I just, I don't. He doesn't try to go and look for, you know, race or gender. He just, you know, hired the people that he hired because he thought they were the best. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting that sometimes you can say, like, oh, yeah, I have a very diverse team. That's great. But, you know, what was – was it because you hired the best? Are you hiring people or are you hiring people like you thinking that they are the best? Yes. Or – are you mm-hmm. hiring? You know what I mean. It, it gets into a. I, I think it's just really complicated to. Like, it's totally complicated. Build like. a team and build a team yeah. that is good and diverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you know I, I worked in some places and where you know most of the time race is not a factor. They just try to hire the best. Um, but it also depends on where you look. Um, if you look for 
if you look with either like hiring, um, what's it called, uh, placement agencies, employment agencies, mm-hmm. or you know staffing agencies, um, it, you can kind of tell you know if, if they're going to just present you with a certain like type of person, or if they really look for the best person regardless of race, gender, orientation. Yeah. And um, and you can tell, and I and it just depends, and it is possible that it just happened that way, um, because sometimes it, you know, I think any of us dealing with companies, I mean, sometimes you just have to respond to whoever sends you that email. You exactly. Know? And so, I mean, in and if you really think about it, you know, if the majority of developers out there, at least in the U.S., are male, then that's mm-hmm. probably. That's probably why your team is mostly right. male. Um, yeah, so, exactly. And same thing for minorities. If the majority of developers out there are non-minority males, then that's what that's the applications that you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So exactly. That's why I think it's interesting that you know some companies will you know talk about how diver- how diverse their teams are, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, you know, if you really want to help, then. You may want to say that you are sponsored, that you have a scholarship for STEM for mm-hmm. minorities and women. Yes. You know, things like that. Like, encourage more minorities and women to pursue a career in tech early on, as opposed to just saying right now that, oh, look at look at my team and how mm-hmm. diverse it is. It's like in that episode of Archer. Uh, it was in mm-hmm. season one where they're like, I don't know if y'all y'all watch Archer, mm-hmm. but it was like. Um, one of their field agents was killed, so then they're like, "Oh, we need to find a diversity hire." <laughs> and oh, then yeah. They they hire Conway Stern. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my gosh. I remember that episode. Yeah, he was Jewish and he was yeah. African American, so they were like, "Oh yeah, we get two for one." Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> everything, Janet. And if oh, you're oh, gay, oh, it's yeah. even better. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't. There, wasn't there a line like that? It was like, yeah. Um, oh gosh, yeah, the Archer. Oh man, yep. I love that. I, love that. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because they they really tend to point out stuff that that people are kind of doing without actually saying it, because it would be inappropriate oh, to yes. say. But they're like, oh no, we're gonna hang a lantern on this. We're gonna make an episode about yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's interesting about like back to the idea of like Marissa Meyer just had twins and she's gonna go back to yeah. work. Like, I mean. I'm sure she can afford proper daycare. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I think so. But she can afford yeah. go play to babysitters if she wants. Yeah, and if you think about it, it's not. It shouldn't be a matter of whether you know women should go back after you know having kids. It should be like, how can we make our work environment friendly for people who have families? Because I know yes. a lot of uh, male, a lot of my male developers, developer friends, <laughs> I can't speak, mm-hmm. um, that have families. Uh, choose to work from home so that they can, you know, sort of look after their family, look after their kids, you know, maybe while their partner is, you know, away at the office. So, like, finding those jobs where people want to work with you and, you know, maybe they Mm -hmm. let you work from home so you can take care of your family. Like, I think that should be the issue like, you know, how can we provide a work environment that's going to make it easier for our employees to take good care of their family as opposed to, you know, yes. whether it's male or female. Yeah. When I think a lot of, you know, with developers, I think we kind of are in a sweet spot because we can work from home mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of applications and with a lot of online stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the Internet makes it so much easier for us to live as developers because if, we, you know, um, I currently work at a job where they, they tell us, you know, if you need to work from home, then work from home. 
and, and it's okay because we have access to anything we need. And I think a lot of companies are doing that now, and it's making it easier uh, for families to live. <laughs> you know, so they yes. there's no longer there's no longer a forced existence in which you ha- you both if you both work full time if you and your partner work full time that the children have to be taken care of somehow. You know, versus both one partner or both partners have the option of working from home. You know, which is reducing their costs mm-hmm. of uh, daycare, of after-school stuff, of you know, uh, commuting, yeah. and that kind of thing. So it's actually oh, yeah. really beneficial to families um, where one or two part, one or more partners can can work from home. Keep going and changing completely the topic. It was like really interesting. Um, you, Ceci, now you have plenty of years of experience you're uh, involved in the community you're deeply you basically know what to do and you most likely know what you would like to be in the future but if you had a chance to go back 10 years and speak to your younger self what would you like to say to her and what kind of advice or would you like to slap her in the face and say, no, oh, this is wrong, do something different? Or <laughs> would you give her some specific advice I, or something? I would have taken the advice, advice of the person that said you should learn Ruby on Rails 10 years ago. And I should have learned <laughs> Ruby on Rails 10 years ago. And I should have learned JavaScript oh. 10 years ago instead of like yeah. as recently as I did. Because um, I only started learning JavaScript last year. Uh, and then Ruby mm-hmm. this year, so like I, I should have taken that advice, you know, ten years ago yeah. and done that. Uh, I would be my career would be much different. Um, uh-huh. So, but at the same time, I feel like I've learned a lot from the years that I spent uh, doing marketing because I, I started off just doing you know front end development, like I said, HTML, CSS, Flash back in the day when that was a thing. Um, and because I was good at computers and social media was this new thing, you know, it kind of fell on my lap, this social media thing. Um, and then mm. that evolved into a career in marketing that I, I never set out to do, but it ended up happening mm-hmm. that way and it ended up being that I was good at it. Um, so I tried that for a few, few years and then decided that that wasn't really as fulfilling as creating things. Um, yes. But I still learned a lot about what makes a good product. I learned a lot yeah. about how to how to talk to non-technical people about technical things. Because um, oh. <laughs> my my job a lot of the time was to translate tech speak mm-hmm. <laughs> to yes. like take. I was like the guy from Office Space who was like, I take the requirements from the customer and take it to the engineers because I'm a people person. I have people skills. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was that person, exactly. but I didn't. I didn't say it that way. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like that was really valuable, like to understand that mm-hmm. sort of like communication. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I would probably tell myself ten years ago, you know, to like, no, like for real, you should go learn these, you know, these languages. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I I like where I've gone with my career, even though like I'm kind of back at doing development after you know going off into marketing um i yeah, sure. i enjoyed what i what i ended up learning it's great that whatever like happens if you feel that your past is not like it wasn't wasted and you learned something and something like helped to grow yourself grow your skills and just the way you are is just great it's 
it's amazing i think it's the most important thing like there's something that's i think is really interesting that i only came across a few a few months ago when i was starting my dev boot camp and that was the idea that some people think feel that they have a what's called like a fixed mind or a growth mind mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if you if you have a fixed sort of mindset then you think that there is a finite amount of information or new things that you can learn essentially like oh. i can only i can only know this much and okay. that's it um so it makes it if you have that sort of mindset it makes it harder to learn new things and if you have a growth yeah. mindset you tend to not really be as hard on yourself when you're learning so if you have a fixed mindset and you're learning something new and you're just not getting it you stop because you're like oh well i must not be i'm never going to get this because i've already reached yes. the amount of things that i know um whereas people that have a growth mindset will just continue to learn and they'll you know truck through it and get to a point where they're good at this thing so that's something that i would definitely maybe tell myself 10 years ago that like no um, you can have a growth mindset and you can learn yeah more than what you think you can because that's probably one of the reasons why i didn't end up going straight away to pick up you know a back-end language or something yeah and i think this is a great advice also that connects to the next question that is what kind of advice would you like to give to a beginner developer yeah that you know computers are dumb like i said so if you're not <laughs> if it's not doing what you want it to do it's just you know you just gotta find the exact way to communicate with it because if computers were smart you wouldn't have you know you wouldn't get errors right you wouldn't they, they would just know what you're talking about and you don't want computers to be mm -hmm. smart anyway because then we get skynet and yeah. <laughs> so it's okay if computers are dumb and this is actually really funny because when um during class we would whenever we would encounter errors and you know we did a little bit of like you know test driven development where like you know you write a test and it fails and then you make a pass so it's like it's kind of like based on your code failing right mm -hmm. so yeah. we were talking about like okay well you know computers are dumb that's why that's why you got to do it this way so one of my classmates was like i am really not worried about robots or computers taking over the world mm -hmm. because they're dumb <laughs> mm -hmm. um and i don't know that's that's oversimplifying it a little bit but like yeah i would just say like it's not you it's you know the computer mm -hmm. or maybe maybe it's you know the faults in the language like you know when you're talking about yeah. javascript you know sometimes sometimes javascript is like yeah i'm okay with this code and sometimes javascript is like i'm not okay with this and you know it's like yeah. it can be too lenient in some way so then people develop mm -hmm. bad habits and then later on that comes back and you know bites them in the behind so it's like it, you know it's it's a process and it's okay to fail yes. and it's okay to get errors and you just just gotta keep going that's a great advice yeah <laughs> can you go back 10 years in time and give me the advice to myself, please yeah, me like too. i really need to... 
damn it. Okay. I'm a time traveler and help us all out. Yep. <laughs> so now we're going to have like a, a bunch of couple of fast questions. And then we're going to go into discussing a couple of questions from users. Because, of course, we have users that listen to our podcast and they want to have stuff. And you are going to answer for us because we're lazy. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, great host. So the first question is describe yourself in three words. Oh, man. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know. I'd say... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, three words. I don't know. Yeah, that's three words. When I asked, uh, <laughs> when I was asked this question, I was just like, a uh, guy who codes. <laughs> I had nothing. A guy who codes. <laughs> I was going to say, I love puppies, but... There you go. I don't uh, know. It's just it doesn't have to be a sentence. Like can be like <laughs> uh, eclectic, uh, creative, and... Mm, fun like they, they can be these three completely detached and separated they words. can be adjectives i can answer yeah. it super awesome cool <laughs> okay <laughs> perfect I, I i take it as a good answer and um, the other question is which music album book and tv show cannot be outside of your personal collection um tv show would be futurama I watch it Ooh. all the time, pretty much Sick. like every night. I've probably rewatched the whole series so many times. <laughs> um, That's great. I tend to stick to like the first half, not the like, mm -hmm. you know, beyond the movies. And that's not because they're bad, but that's just because like, I don't know. That's I when I really fell in love with the show, it was like all those early seasons. So like, man, I find myself yes. quoting that all the time. <laughs> um, uh, music, I would say um, Washed Out. It's just, I listen to it all the time. I find that it's mm -hmm. really great if, you, if you're just driving and you want to chill or if you're coding, it's also great music for that. Um, so I just, uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine not having Washed Out. Didn't Washed um, Out create the Portlandia theme? Yes. Okay. I love those guys, man. I love them so much. It's it, oh. it's kind of sad that they're known for that song, but they have they have yeah. really good. Songs. And one yeah. one little bit of trivia is that that Portlandia song is actually quoting another song from the '80s that's like completely different. I can really? yeah, I can send oh. it to you because it sounds completely yeah. different. The oh. new the their so take nice. on it is much yeah. better. Oh, I love it. Yeah. If you have a Spotify link, we can put it in the description. So all yeah. other users. Yeah, Washed Out has a Spotify. It. That's how I found them. Yeah. Um, yeah. From Portlandia. Yeah. And what about a book? Um, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> Harder than the three words? <laughs> I don't know. There's so many that I love. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. The developers read so much. What was the what's been the most influential book on you? That you know, to your career, let's say. Anything that stands out? Um there's a book called Design Yourself by a designer called Kareem Rashid Rashad. Um okay. and he mm -hmm. is like a he's a product designer. Okay. So he designs mm -hmm. spoons and tables and chairs and things like that. Um so his book, actually, if you watch uh, the documentary Objectified, mm -hmm. which is about product mm -hmm. design, um, he is one of the people being interviewed 
which I was like totally geeking out on that when I saw that movie. I was like, that's him. That's, <laughs> that's what so he looks cool. like. Um, but that book, he talks about, you know, how to live your life in a way that's like, you know, I don't know, not necessarily like designer friendly, but how to like think about your life in terms of like design mm-hmm. and how to design your life, not from like a aesthetic perspective like making it pretty but as in like designing as it like making it efficient Mm. and you know making it enjoyable so like from that book I was able to like pick up a lot of things that I still use in my life today like awesome awesome. yeah yeah it's a good book good if you have the if you can find the link on Amazon for the book I'm gonna definitely Mm -hmm. put in the description because it's really interesting like I'm gonna definitely read that book it's also a really pretty book, like the mm-hmm. the way it's bound and the way that it's laid out and like the different, like each section of the book has like a different color. Like the the book itself is really well designed too, like if, you know, like an object, not necessarily oh, like awesome. a book. So let's jump straight into a couple of questions from our users. And the first question is, a user asks, what's the best Parallax plugin And if you can give other suggestions, if you have some like your favorite Parallax plugins and if you can state like pros and cons of specific Parallax plugin. The best Parallax plugin is none. (laughs) Because you don't need Parallax. That's a a great answer. (laughs) What I feel i'm sure you guys might have might might disagree (laughs) well i'm using i'm personally using parallax for comic art um in displaying interactive comics so uh i think that's useful i think it's overused in other sites um i've done it before i mean i did it for um uh when i worked at tulsa world i did several parallax um special projects which is fine if it's a special project, but I don't think it needs to be jammed into every website ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which it is now. So, yeah, I think it's. I think it has its place. I think. I think it's a presentation fun time thing. That's, I don't think it. And I mean, you don't. Yeah. You don't necessarily need a JavaScript library to handle it. You can just mm-hmm. put, you know, on your CSS, just position fixed on mm-hmm. your image, and then everything else around it can move. Yeah, I'm seeing too many websites that are using. Enormous amounts of code for Parallax that are not mobile friendly because Parallax is not mobile friendly that I've seen. I've never seen one that actually, sat- to my satisfaction, mm-hmm. works because I mean, especially if you're responsive. I mean, that just no, just don't even do it. Um, you know, <laughs> no. Parallax is for desktop and maybe tablet, but even in tablet, it loses its its feel. And the yeah. other question is, what do you think about the new Google logo? Did you see it? course you saw it yeah everywhere um (laughs) i i feel like whenever a big company like google reinvents themselves or refreshes their branding people just tend to not like it um i think probably it's because as humans we are afraid of change so then all of a sudden you're like oh my god google has a new logo (laughs) like my perception of reality is completely different now (laughs) yeah my search results is ruined I, i will say real quick for the for the uh, parallax, I think Alex, you and I agreed that Stellar JS was the best um, for using parallax. Mm-hmm. If you are going to use parallax in a website or a web presentation, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I've used other versions, but they're also they're incredibly clunky and not yes, they're not the best. And I think they were really more. I think it was more of an an attempt to try and figure out how parallax can work with uh, jQuery 
and JavaScript, um, but I think Stellar.js mm -hmm. is probably the best. Um, the interesting, the interesting thing about Stellar.js is that it's completely based on plain JavaScript because jQuery is super, super heavy. Like it's a massive, mm -hmm. heavy library that is like ten times heavier than regular JavaScript. So mm -hmm. Stellar.js is is really fast and it's really lightweight because it's built on vanilla JavaScript. That is. Mm -hmm. Super plain, super basic. It's, yeah. So I mean, yeah. for the to answer that that user, if if they want to use Parallax, uh, to go yeah. for Stellar.js, but man, do your research. Be careful. Oh, totally. <laughs> because you can load down a browser and kill it. You know, I mean, you yeah. Could, if you're doing it for a personal project, that's fine. But if you're pro don't promise a client that it's going to be you know sunshine and rainbows, if you use Parallax, you know, let them know what's going to happen to their website. And especially don't trust our advice. So and don't, don't tell them that it's going to load quickly if you use Parallax. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to oh, be just yes. a few milliseconds. It's like, no, no, it will not. It will not be that long. It will not be that short. I'm sorry, That's why I like having conversations about like, okay, what's important for you? Is it important mm -hmm. that the side loads fast? Or is it important that you have this cool animation? And then they'll be like, no, the animation is really going to make it. Okay, fine. We'll use that. And then if they're like, oh, no, I really want it to load fast. And you're like, okay, mm -hmm. well... Maybe you deprioritize this mm -hmm. other feature. So yeah, totally agree. Well, can we uh, yeah. can we actually talk about Twitter real quick? Um, yeah, something we started talking about. Uh, Ceci, we started following each other. I think mutually back in two thousand and nine. It's been a mm -hmm. long time. You're one of my oldest Twitter followers, following people. Same. And, uh, you know, it was it was like that beautiful little golden age in the beginning of Twitter when all of the developers <laughs> found each other, like found you and. Uh, Anthony Horton and uh, Sarah Winham and, uh, you know, just all of these, like, really wonderful developers and that we've all been following each other um, yep. for a while. And I, there are too many to name, but, I mean, they're all, you know, if if you're listening to this and we've been following each other since, oh, Andy Sowards, <laughs> uh, you know, if, we, if we've been following each other since 09, then, you know, shout out to you guys. But um, it, it was really nice because at the beginning, I, it was like Twitter was the first time that I felt like I wasn't completely alone as a developer, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Because oh, I was yeah. living in totally. Louisiana and that was not a really a place where a lot of developers lived. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was nice to um to finally to kind of reach out and, and to to find other developers. Yeah, and like for me, um my first job I was essentially like the only person um like team of one sort of developer designer. So being able to have a community of my peers, um, even though it was, you know, virtual, you know, whenever I was at work, I would always have TweetDeck open um, because those, you know, that was my water cooler at mm -hmm. that time mm -hmm. when I was the only, and that's not to say that my coworkers then, like IRL, weren't, weren't, you know, mm -hmm. my colleagues, of course they were, but like they, <laughs> You know, I couldn't ask them questions about HTML or CSS or whatever. Yeah. You know, I had to, yes. I needed that sort of like digital water cooler for that. And Twitter was great mm -hmm. for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, we kind of stumbled upon Twitter in this like really great golden age where like even like tweet chats were actually really helpful. Yes. So I think how we ended up meeting was through design community Twitter <laughs> hours, DCTH. Yes. Oh, um, oh. And those were so <laughs> great. 
Um, yeah. And I think we've tried to bring it back several times, and it's really hard because a lot of us that started DCTH, you know, have different responsibilities now. So it's really hard to like really sit down and do it. Yeah. Um, but I found that community like so helpful, oh, and yeah. that's how I ended up uh, meeting a lot of the same um, other d- designer developers that I still yeah. follow to this day. Well, yeah, and I also remember like Mike Canati and Catherine Asarello. Yes. Gosh, I'm trying to remember all the names, but it's just, I mean, you guys have been so influential, I think, um, on kind of where I I feel like I needed to go as a, you know, and DCTH was, oh my gosh, that was, it was like my compass, you know, kind of, because I was just starting out in web development and, and being able to listen to other people and listen to their problems with clients and kind of where they felt like they needed to go, um, really just kind of provided a solid feeling for me I think on uh on where I wanted to go as a developer and um and it felt it made me feel a little more legitimate <laughs> you know because I, I was actually talking to other people who were doing what I was doing yeah which is fantastic so um I wish I I, I feel like Twitter is not what it used to be no. in 09 and it's obviously not and you have much more much many more activists on Twitter we may need to do another episode because, like, um, I think that our community is moving more towards Slack. And I definitely find myself yes. in yes. Slack a lot yes. more than on Twitter. I definitely yeah. check Slack a lot mm-hmm. more than I check Twitter. If you check my Twitter, I used to be very active on Twitter, and now I'm not because I'm on Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on, like, seven different Slacks. <laughs> so. oh, do you have your own public channel on Slack? Uh, not my own, but I have, um, mm-hmm. I also, in addition to Girl Develop It, I help run the local Refresh chapter, Refresh mm-hmm. Austin. So mm-hmm. we have that, uh, we have that channel. So it, that one is like sort of private to the Refresh Austin community, but anybody can go sign up. If you're interested in knowing what's going on in Austin, you <laughs> can go to slack.refreshaustin.org and sign up, um, and then I'm I'm on one for Girl Develop It, and that one is private to all Girl Develop It organizers. There's one that I'm on that's called ATX Built, and that's uh, for Austin, Texas-based developers, designers. Um, awesome. And then I'm on two different ones for the Iron Yard, which is where I ended up going for my dev boot camp. Um, and then I'm also on mm-hmm. one for Ruby. No. <laughs> so a lot. Amazing. So I, I don't have my own personal huh. one. But um, yeah. I'm I'm even thinking like we need like a DCTH Slack. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> why did we not? Do, why have we not done this yet? I thought it's a genius. Right? Like, we should do this. Can we? Can we actually try to do this in the next week or so? <laughs> like, yes. Get a, absolutely. Uh, you guys. <laughs> that would be oh man because you know it just Twitter is not as conducive to developer chat as it used to be. Yeah. Um, There's most, too much noise on it now. Yes. And I, you know, I personally went through a point where I tried to become like a, a comic artist there for a few months and then I realized how much they pay, which is like nothing. So, and I realized that I really still <laughs> yeah. love development and I love it way more than, you know, trying to become a full-time comic artist and I just feel so much more fulfilled doing development. So now that I'm moving back, I'm realizing, man, a lot of people on Twitter, uh, Twitter has become more of like the, hey, this is what I'm doing now instead of our, you know, us yeah. having our our development chats, and this is what I'm outraged about right now. Oh gosh, yes, it's almost. Mm. I, I almost. I still have TweetDeck open, 
but sometimes I just don't want to check it because it's always like who who is the internet villainized today? Yeah, exactly. And they can legitimately be bad people, but still, it's like you know. Like, I don't need that in my day when I'm yeah. trying to, you know, figure out a bug or something. Yeah. We need positivity. Yes. We need to yeah. be positive with each other and let us, That's you know, why they say mm-hmm. that a lot of people really like Instagram a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to... It, it's interesting because I think we're in a flux now because now that Twitter is so mainstream, um, and I know I sound like a hipster when I say that, but because everybody's <laughs> using it now, in conclusion, we're in a... We're, Interesting times in social media. Yep. Let's just <laughs> have an episode where well, we talk about social media. I agree. I agree. <laughs> totally. And right. you're totally welcome to come back in the nerd continuity. And Yay. we can yes. be all just a huge bunch of nerds that talk about nerdy yes. stuff. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah. Totally. Well, thank you again Absolutely. for your time. I hope you had a good time here with us. Totally. So much fun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I right. finally got to hear you, like, hear Yay. your voice. <laughs> That's so cool. (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone, and see you next time. Bye-bye.